Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're all set to go against the spread on this week number three of the National Football League season, college football week number four. And, Victor, it seems like we've got a lot of talk to talk about on the show today. We've got some games under our belt. Some teams are beginning to take shape and take form. First of all, I want to welcome you back to the show and ask you how your week was last week. Okay, Mark, not a bad weekend. Now, for us, it was kind of like a rinse and repeat where we lost our first two games in the tip sheet, both by one score, and we relied on our doggies to bail us out, and they did it once again with uh, Monkey betting her under and winning in the uh, Denver-Jacksonville game, and, of course, Tuco doing what he had to do on Monday night and playing the Packers over their team total, and they, of course, busted out with 35. So once again, our canines earned themselves a brand-new squeaky toy as at least they brought us back to respectability. But somebody who's not respectable instead has been very, very hot is we've got to talk about the Mark Lawrence service. Another, what, 5 and one weekend, I believe, 2 and one in college football, 3-0 and in the NFL. Uh, outright dog winners on Memphis and on Fresno State in college football on Saturday. The underdog game of the month in the NFL was the Baltimore Ravens. Of course, a outright dog winner over Kansas City in the Sunday Nighter. Not to mention a couple of um, weird winners in the Colts and the Vikings. I say weird winners in that these are two underdogs who lost the game outright but still were managing to cover the point spread. Again, when the smoke clears and we're all said and done, I'm looking at the Sports Monitor website. Mark Lawrence, 7-2 and two in college football, tied for number one in the country. Mark Lawrence, 6-0 and oh in the NFL after two weeks, number one in the country. Easily, easily one of your better starts after the first two weeks of the season, Mark. With that said, <laughs> I'll bet that you're still pissed off about that Indiana loser on Saturday because they outstanded Cincinnati in that game despite losing by double digits. You know, Victor, that's exactly where I was going to go. And it's not like I'm crying over spilt milk, you know, appreciate a good week, and I don't want to zero in on a losing selection. But my goodness, uh, you talk about a game turning on one play. Uh, you watch your team dominating the football game. They're the home underdog. They're winning the game. They're dominating it. And then along comes a targeting play. And it wakes the other team up. It woke up Cincinnati. And everything just collapsed from that point forward here. It just... Uh, you know, you can put your finger on something like that, but uh, it's all going to come out in the wash. You're going to win games for reasons that you didn't handicap the games. You're going to lose games for reasons that you don't see coming out of the clear blue sky. And I guess the whole bottom line to everything is it all just works itself out in the very end. And uh, you put your best foot forward and let the chips fall where they may and be thankful for what it is that you, you do get into in a return in the form of winners and don't cry over spilt milk over games that you can't control. So that's sort of what I learned in my long, long years in the business. And one other note I want to pass by you here real quickly about uh, winning some weird football games. A good friend of mine uh, who has passed, his name is Tom Scott from Buckeye Sports. Tom grew up in Niles, Ohio. I was from Cleveland, Ohio, and you know we crossed paths once we were in this industry. And in fact, we together uh, put and built our database, the, the well-oiled machine, you know, Tom built it, uh, and I kind of like supervised, you know, all of what went into it and so forth and whatnot. But anyway, Tom was a real, real good friend of mine, and we used to share all of our handicapping information. We'd go over the card each week, and we formed systems and system books, and we did all those good things together and uh, named the systems, and we had a good, fun time doing that. And he used to always say to me, and one thing I remember is uh, he says, you have to be the luckiest son of a bitch I've ever seen. And I said, well, why is that? And he says, because I've never seen anybody that loses games with dogs yet still covers the number. You still manage to hang <laughs> and cover the number. <laughs> and there you go. Yeah, that always stuck with me. And uh, right. it sticks with me because that's what happens when you're looking at underdogs. You know, that's that saying that Woody Hayes theory that three things can happen and two of them are good. And one of them is being that luckiest SOB in the world when you're 
team is an underdog, loses the game, but still cashes the ticket. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what's rewarding. Most rewarding is obviously picking an underdog and having him win the game straight up because if you're also backing some of your play but on a money line, it can be really, really fortuitous and reward you there that way. But uh, I thought I was well on the way to a money line win with the Indiana Hoosiers Saturday, but it didn't turn out. But fortunately, uh, the other stuff did and won some games in weird ways. How do you see, Victor, the college football season shaking out here? I know it's been a really, really healthy season for underdogs in the National Football League. I don't think it's quite been all that in college football, but what numbers do you have that you can share with our listeners? Before I do, uh, you know, uh, of all the sports fans down here in the Sunshine State, I bet Mark Lawrence was one of the only ones who was happy with Saturday results. I say that because... Mark, I can't remember a Saturday in college football in which the top four Florida programs all lost. Miami got embarrassed by Michigan State down here. Florida State never showed up and basically, you know, crapped the bed against Wake Forest. Uh, Central Florida lost as a, what, seven-point road favorite against Louisville. And Florida, of course, lost to Alabama. We're going to give them a little bit of credit because they went right down to the wire and it was pretty obvious that they were the better team in that particular game, and I think they can probably play with anybody in the country. But a 0-4 straight-up record in Saturday college football down here in the Sunshine State, there was a lot of people on Sunday morning that woke up with a hangover and then had to go through the Dolphins losing 35-0 to at home to Buffalo. So a, a difficult weekend down here for the Sunshine State sports fans. But those uh, underdog numbers you are talking about, it's pretty much split down the middle right now in college football. This year, uh, dogs uh, have them going 25 and 27 last week on the year 73, 71, and 3. A couple games over 500 for underdogs. Of course, the best have been the home dogs. They've come in at a really nice 27, 19, and 1 ATS mark so far. That's been the uh, best way to grab the value in the dogs in college football. So far, it seems to be that way, and uh, you know, hopefully, as these teams gain form, and we can begin to rely a little bit more on the numbers as opposed to what we're expecting as far as the way teams were built in the off season, uh, it makes our handicap that much more enjoyable. Uh, one of the things that I want to share with our listeners out there is uh, we will be debuting this week the midweek alert football newsletter, and it's one of my favorite projects. One of the things I love pouring through the most, and that's because. I love incorporating statistical analysis into technical handicapping. And when you can do that and also some fundamental handicapping, it makes for being well-rounded and not being zeroed in with rose-colored glasses looking at handicapping from just one aspect. The midweek alert will be available this Thursday, and we made a change this week. Uh, All of our newsletters are being pushed back a day for delivery. Our weekly playbook football newsletter is now going to be available Wednesdays after 12 noon Eastern and the midweek Thursdays after 12 noon Eastern. And part of the reason we did that is twofold. Number one, uh, with everything going on right now in the in the COVID world, it's really, really getting difficult to go to press and not being knowing for certain what the situation is with certain teams and players and conditions and so forth and whatnot. And you hate to go out there uh, wondering or t- taking your best guess. And uh, I, I'm finding it, it'd be better off if we go to press as late as we possibly can, yet still serve the needs of uh, of the readers and the, and the customers. So we're going to 12 noon Eastern uh, on Wednesdays for the newsletter availability and push the midweek alert back to Thursdays. Uh, the other portion or part of that is uh, it's becoming a, an enormous task with our newsletter. We put so much information into the newsletter, as you can see, we cover every game from wall to wall. With uh, We dive into everything about every game and it becomes more and more time consuming. In fact, I'll share this with you, Victor. Uh, Tuesday was my birthday, mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was nice. Uh, I don't want to tell you how many candles were on the cake. I can just <laughs> tell you that uh, the fire department came over and asked if everything was okay, and I had to shoo them away. I assured them it was just the birthday candles and the cake. Everything was good. But uh, it dawned on me, uh, one of the guys that's working with me in the newsletter emailed me. He says, well, happy birthday. He says, I think it's a happy birthday. Because when I got up on my birthday on uh, Tuesday morning, I started into work on the newsletter at 9 a.m. I started on the newsletter Sunday nights, but on Tuesday, it was full force. And it was 3 a.m. in the morning before I said to myself, close the machine and go to bed. And then back up at 7 a.m. just to make sure we can get our newsletter out by by noon. So 
it, it's a passion, it's a love, but it's also draining. It's, uh, but the thing I think that makes it all worthwhile is having a good weeks like we've been talking about, getting off to a good start in the football season. So no complaints from me, just uh, the fact that uh, the cakes are getting a little bit heavier with these candles these days, that's all I can say. <laughs> all righty, there you go. Okay, uh, with that, let's move over to the, uh, if we will, the National Football League side of things. And as you mentioned, Victor, it's been a good start for us in the National Football League thus far this season here and largely attributable to these dogs. These dogs are doing really well. They're barking with a fervor right now. Uh, I can say that uh, we're in a couple of contests in Las Vegas and we are uh, either tied for first or a half a game out of first in one of them and uh, in a top 10 in the other one because of the start we've had and largely because of the underdogs barking. What do you see, Victor, for win-loss records in the National Football League season to date so far? Decent week, 9-7 and seven ATS for underdogs in week two. And, of course, Mark was on three of those with the, what, the Ravens, the Vikings, and the uh, Colts. 21-11 and 11 now ATS on the season. That's just pure outright underdogs. Unlike college football, home underdogs are basically right down the middle at 7-6. and six. It's been the road underdogs in the NFL who have done much better at 13 and 5 against the spread. Uh, division dogs, 4 and 4 against, but down the middle. It's the non division dogs that have gone 17 and 7 ATS against the spread. So, so far, it's been the non division road dogs that have been extremely successful thus far. And last week was a pretty high scoring week in the NFL. It didn't compare to last year. If you remember last year, week two was the beginning of the points explosion. 53 points were scored in NFL games in Week 2 last year. Not quite as much this year. We're at 48.3, but there was a lot of offense. 10 out of the teams had 400 or more yards of offense in the NFL, and we are currently now at 15 and 17 in terms of over-under numbers with an average of 48 combined points per game again not quite as high as last season's big explosion the two uh, standouts that i think are worthy of noting is the primetime games the nfl night games for the second week in a row all three of them went over the total that means in the six night games thus far this season all six night games have gone over the total with a combined 58.3 points per game. Of course, that concluded with the Monday night game, the Packers and the Lions going over the total. So that's significant. We'll see how long that holds up, uh, given the propensity for the squarer bettors to pretty much bet the fave and the over in any nighttime game. Also, what I thought was interesting was the early kickoff games in the NFL They have now averaged only 42.8 points per game, while the late kickoff games have averaged 52.0. So that's kind of a little weird number there. The early games are averaging about 10 points less than the late afternoon games in the NFL. But again, it's been the story of the over-under season, of course, are these prime-time overs thus far. Uh, that's been the story so far, uh, primetime football games overs. I know you were on to that last year, and I know it sounds like as if uh, the bookmakers are getting drilled with those so far, so I'm sure adjustments will be made and will be on the way with those football games. One quick thing here before we close out the segment, uh, we love hearing from the listeners out there and a good friend of ours, Jeff Kabasiak, north of the border in Canada, the guitar man, uh, wanted to know about totals in the National Football League and uh, handicapping them with quarterback situations and how it affects the line movement, uh, teams like Indianapolis and uh, uh, the Jets and the Vikings, how do you look at Victor NFL totals where quarterback situations are involved each week when you make a quarterback change? How does it affect the way that you look at the over-under handicapping of that game? We will talk about that a little bit because our NFL game that we'll be discussing has indeed one of those questionable quarterback injury situations. But, I want to seg you into this, uh, speaking of team totals, this is a integral part of our handicapping and betting process now is potentially passing on the game over-under and just playing a team's over-under line. So again, we've done, uh, oh heck, we're somewhere around 27-9 and nine now handicapping team totals over the last two and a half seasons. We call them Tuco's team totals, 
But like you, we really know who's doing the late night work on creating or coming up with those team totals. So that is something to consider in a game in which you might like the over and it has a, oh, it's got an injury red flag out there. Maybe there's some offensive line injuries. Maybe there's some uh, game breakers on offense who are injured or there is a quarterback who is injured. That is something to perhaps think about is just playing one team's over under. Good thought, uh, and we'll see what Victor has to say about that when we do get to that portion of the show a little bit later on the, when we talk about Tuco and his team totals, which have been really, really successful for Victor and the team here of late. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going we're gonna to also rant a little bit later on the show, and we got a couple of rants each of us want to share with you, but we'll do that as we close out the football show in the last segment. Uh, but when we do come back, we're going to get to our featured college football game of the week. And we've got a dandy between two former Big 8, Big 12 combatants who are locking horns at Jerry's World this week when Texas A&M takes on Arkansas for our featured college football game of the week. We'll do that and a whole lot more when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The Totals Tip Sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL Totals Guru, and enjoy the winners. You're listening to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Now, back to the action. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence. I'm along with Victor King, and we're set to go against the spread on our college football game of the week. We've got a good matchup on tap this week, uh, if you will, a non-conference game. They used to be conference opponents. It'll take place at Jerry's World in Dallas, the home of the Dallas Cowboys, when Texas A&M takes on Arkansas. Victor, how do you see the Hogs and the Aggies shipping up in Dallas? Right. ATT Stadium, 3.30 Eastern time is going to be the kickoff. The only game on this week's college football schedule featuring two top 25 teams taking each other on. And believe it or not, uh, these two teams may not play in the same conference anymore, but this rivalry dates back almost 120 years. The first meeting was way back in 1903. Uh, A&M, of course, favored in the game, being played at that neutral site. And the over-under line I'm showing, it opened at 47. It's currently at about 47 and a half as uh, we are recording the show. And I did have to do a double take when I saw that over-under line. It's the lowest over-under line of all time in this series. The previous low was 52 in the 2016 meeting between these two teams. Now, for good reason. We're talking about a couple of good defenses. Arkansas has really improved on defense this year. And A&M has been just basically playing lights out. In fact, all three of AM's games have indeed gone under the total. Average line, 55.3. Average score, only 34 points. Their average game has gone under by more than three touchdowns, minus 21.3 points per game. They allowed only 10 points versus Kent State, uh, seven versus Colorado, zero in last week's win against New Mexico State. They're allowing only 239 yards per game. Okay, I... I get it, but I still think that they have adjusted this line way too much, in my opinion. Let's not forget that Arkansas, on the other hand, is 3-0 and on the season. Three overs, zero unders, over by five points against Rice, over by three against Texas, over by one and a half against uh, Georgia Southern last week. Now, in researching the actual series between these two teams, we're not going to gain too much over under insight uh, as their last eight games in the series, there's been four overs and four unders. The uh, last year meeting, the over-under line was 54. It was pretty much a shootout with AM winning 42-31. to 31. 73 combined points. The game went over by 19 points. But the 2019 meeting went under. The 2018 meeting went under. Here's what I will say. With this line currently at 47.5 points, nine of the last ten meetings between these two teams have totaled 49 or more points. Average, 67.2. Quite the difference comparing this week's over-under line. And based on the spread, based on the over-under line, the anticipated final score is A&M 26.5, Arkansas 21.0. That is the anticipated final score. 
I still think it's too low. I'm talking, you know, 31 to 27, 31 to 24. And this game significantly still goes over the total. We know that Zach uh, Calzada is now uh, quarterbacking A&M. He did show some improvement in his second start for the Aggies. He finished with, what, 275 passing yards last week and three TDs. And then you got to think that perhaps the A&M offensive coordinator, uh, Daryl Dickey, is going to find some creative ways to test that Arkansas secondary. And speaking of improving quarterbacks, Arkansas has one themselves in K.J. Jefferson. Now, I know he's more of a runner, and he averages, what, about seven and a half yards per run. Good for him, but he did throw for 366 yards last week. For me, Mark, this game's about value, and the over-under line has dropped way too low. Uh, at 54, maybe 55, I would pass in the game, but at 47.5, I think there's some value, and we're going to play the Aggies and the Razorbacks indeed to go over. You want to go over the total for the value situation in the football game between Arkansas and A&M Saturday at AT&T Stadium in Dallas. As I mentioned, this is being played at Jerry's World, where the Cowboys had their home field, and Jerry Jones, an Arkansas alum who really, really does a great job supporting that football program. You know he'll have himself and a cast of Arkansas characters at the football game, and I would think that the Razorbacks might want to come up and play hard with Jerry Jones looking over the scene in his palace at Jerry's World on Saturday. Arkansas has really, really flipped the script since Sam Pittman has taken over as the head coach there. He's now 10-3 and to the spread as a head coach with the Razorbacks since he's taken over this program and really, really brought it back from the throes of despair. Uh, also inside those numbers, by the way, he's 6-0 and to the spread as a dog of fewer than 17 points. Sam Pittman is. Perfect 3-0 and in the stats this football season. Arkansas has won the games and also done what they had to do on the field and won the yards. Uh, albeit against a relatively lightweight schedule, but nonetheless, they're out getting their opponents 226 yards a game. Arkansas also 6-2 and to the number of the last eight games on neutral fields. Texas A&N comes in here. They're also 3-0 uh, and in the stats this year, winning the stats by 200 yards. So we should have a pretty good competitive football game, is what Victor says, the only matchup of two top-ranked teams in the polls this week, Arkansas and Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher... Uh, comes in here. He struggled, his teams have, in, during the regular season on neutral field sites. He's only 1-7 to the spread in his career in those football games. And you take a look here also uh, in football games. When Texas A&M has taken on a 500 or better team out of the Southeast Conference, as good as Texas A&M has been in the past, both straight up and to the number, they're just 20-46 and 46 to the spread against these type of football teams. I'm going to close it out to the Arkansas side of this game here. And what I reason, one of the reasons I did is I went back in the database and looked at Arkansas. As Victor mentioned, longtime conference rivals. You can go back to the Southwest Conference, the Big 8 Conference, now the Big 12 Conference where they played together a long, long time against each other. Going back since 2000, Arkansas, when they hooked up against teams in the Big 12 Conference, have gone 11-6 and six straight up and 13-4 and four to the spread. This is a type of a football game that the Hogs get up for, and I think they'll get up for this game as well. I'll play the Arkansas Razorbacks plus the points against the Aggies on Saturday. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, we're going to tear down our NFL game of the week. We've got a dandy on tap in a division matchup. Plus, we'll hop out to Las Vegas and get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Esco when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence against the spread. All new Playbucks tokens are here. Earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook Experts picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. You're tuned into Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. And now, let's throw it back to Mark. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, Mark Lawrence and Victor King as we go against the spread on this week's College and Pro Football Cards. It's time for our NFL Game of the Week, and we're going to hop into the AFC South Division in a big matchup between the Tech Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts taking place in Nashville. Victor, the Titans and the Colts Sunday should be a big football game. How do you see the over-under total working out in the contest? 
Right, based on the current line, we're at what Tennessee minus five and a half, and the OU has dropped from 50 to 48. So our implied score in the game is Tennessee 26 and a half and Indianapolis 21 and a half. The series has gone four and one to the over. That's four overs, one under in the last five meetings. Average of 51.2 points per game. And, you know, both teams come in with one and one over under records on the season. Tennessee went under at home against the Cardinals in week one. They followed it up with that 63-point outing in overtime against Seattle that went over last week. And, of course, the Colts went under in their week one home game against Seattle, but did go over in that 27-24 home loss to the Rams last week. And this is one of those games where we're going to combine it with Tuco's team total uh, in terms of our over-under selection. And I'm going to pass on the over-under for now. And I'm going to potentially revisit this game maybe Saturday afternoon, maybe even Sunday morning when I get a little bit more information in terms of injuries. And again, we were all set to use the over as a selection based on a really nice 21-4 and over-under angle. But yeah, there is some injury news attached to this game. Of course, any quarterback Carson Wentz has got not one, but what, two bad ankles in the game? Well, yes, he's been practicing on Tuesday and Wednesday, and of course is probably going to play in this particular game. But there will still be some over-under action for us in this game, and it's going to be Tennessee Titans over their team total of 26.5 points. Uh, That angle I was going to tell you about in terms of the over in the game is that this is a really, really good week of the season for division games to go over the total. They've gone 21-4 and four to the over in since 2013 in same division games when the over-under line is 40 or more points. Uh, what I like about riding the Titans in this particular game is that they finally had that you know breakout offensive performance last week. 33 points, 532 yards against Seattle in that upset win. Uh, NFL teams off a road win in which they rushed for 200 or more yards, like the Titans, have averaged 32.4 points per game in their next game. We all know that Nissan Stadium here in Nashville was home to a lot of shootouts last season as Tennessee games averaged 61.2 combined points per games. The Titans were a 29.6 points per game average team last year in the NFL including a number two rank at home, the only other home team who scored more than um, Houston's 30.7, excuse me, Tennessee's 30.7, was the Green Bay Packers at 31.0. The Colts, of course, hitting the road after a home game against the Rams. They have allowed 31.9 points per game as road underdogs when playing off a non-conference game. In fact, in their last uh, seven games as an underdog, Indianapolis has allowed 27 or more points in every single one of those seven games. So there you have it. We're going to pass on the over and under and potentially, again, take a look at it a little bit more when we're a little clearer on the injury information. But until then, we're still going to make our Tuco play as he rides the Tennessee Titans over their team total of 26.5 points. Victor and Tuco go over the Tennessee Titans for 26 and a half for the team total in the football game. And he'll sit back and watch the condition of Carson Wentz between now and Sunday before he decides whether or not there'll be a play in the football game. For the Indianapolis Colts who come into the football game with their back to the wall, they've taken on the toughest schedule in the National Football League hands down of any team. Their first five games of the season are all against teams that won 10 or more games last year. They didn't fare well, losing the first two contests at home, both against Seattle and the Rams out of the NFC West, two pretty good football teams, but they had nothing to show for it. Now they take onto the road against Tennessee in a huge division contest in this football game. The Titans bring a nice number seven and one to the spread. As a dog, when they take on opponents that are coming off a win in the month of September, that'll work for them in their favor here. We'll still have to check the situation with Carson Wentz, as Victor mentioned here before Clean or clearly committing to a side in the football game. The Tennessee Titans got off the schneid last week with their uh, with their big football win uh, in that contest against Seattle as three-point underdogs and uh, put up over 500 yards of offense in the football game. They fared horribly as Tennessee in games after taking on Seattle. They've lost the money four out of four times. In fact, 
Uh, if you take a look at home in the series, they've lost the money three straight years in a row to Tennessee in this football game. My concern to Tennessee is, first and foremost, their defense. They allow 407 yards a game this year. They allowed 399 yards a game last year. Their defense has gotten worse every year under Mike Vrabel. And in fact, if you look at Tennessee under Mike Vrabel, they've allowed more yards than they've gained each and every year. That can, can't continue to keep happening with this football team. I realize they've got a powerful running game here with Derrick Henry and everything else like that. But the last three times the Colts have opened up the season 0-2, they failed to make the playoffs all three times. They know that they control their destiny. This is a huge football game to determine whether or not that's going to happen for this team again. With that, I'll back the hungry dog in the Colts and take the points with Indianapolis against Tennessee on Sunday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, it's time to hop out to Las Vegas for one of our favorite segments when we join our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, I want to welcome you to the show, and I hope you've enjoyed so far the start of a pretty exciting 2021 football season. Well, Mark, I uh, have enjoyed the start of the season, and I get to enjoy wishing you a happy birthday today as well. So hopefully that's a, a sign of good fortune for you as well this weekend. Well, thank you very much. I'll add another candle to the cake, Andy, <laughs> in doing just that. There's plenty to be, plenty of candles to be found in that cake. I can tell you that right now. But thanks for the well wishes. I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me. And uh, as you mentioned here, the football season here, uh, I know it's been uh, really, really exciting in the National Football League. We've seen a, a lot of dogs win football games, which means the sports books are probably cleaning up as we're talking right now. They're loving it. The, the betters probably aren't. Uh, college football, Victor, gave the numbers out there, and they've kind of split a little bit more down the middle, especially to the dogs and the and the home, uh, and more to the home dog favorably in college football. But uh, how do you see, uh, Andy, overall on the landscape of the football season this year? Anything that you found to be particularly out of the ordinary or anything else that uh, caught your attention as we're just a couple of games out of the gate? Well, in the NFL, it's been interesting at uh, uh, at the start of the season to see underdogs doing unusually well, and with that, road underdogs, especially winning a number of these games uh, straight up. Now, whether or not this will even out, we have to believe that there will be some regression. Uh, is it a case of uh, teams being overrated at the start of the season, or is it just a case of people reacting too much to what they remember from last year, even though the teams themselves aren't necessarily overrated, the public uh, remembers what they saw last, and they remember the teams that struggled. And sometimes it takes a few weeks for uh, the public to adjust their perceptions from last year to the realities of this year. And then, as we've talked about in the past, there's still a tendency to react week to week more than is uh, uh, is necessary. I'm sure you uh, uh, understand and perhaps even agree with the philosophy because it's very much like horse racing. One of the things that I look at each week based upon who a team played last and who their upcoming opponent is, are they going up in class? Are they going down in class? Or are they staying neutral in class? And by that, I mean offensively and defensively, to a certain extent special teams, but offensively, are they going up against a stronger defense or a weaker defense than they just faced? And defensively, are they going up against a stronger offense or a weaker offense uh, than they just faced? And uh, we get a little, we start the season with perceptions of what we remember last year. And as the season unfolds, we start to rely more and more on what we're seeing this season. I mentioned the number of questions that were raised following week one, especially in the NFL. We got some answers in week two, and in many cases, we got more questions. So I think uh, historically, for me at least, I think that it takes about four weeks of games uh, for me to get a much more confident view of where I assess each team. We'll have an opportunity to have seen teams play both at home and on the road, and usually, though not always, but usually against varying levels of competition. Sometimes they're playing perhaps one or two of the best teams that they'll face all season, and perhaps they'll be facing or have faced one or two of the weaker teams that they'll be facing this season. Well, it's a complex, uh, complex puzzle to say the least, and uh, nobody keeps a pulse on it better than Andy Isco in his terrific newsletter, TheLogicalApproach.com. And I invite our listeners to log on to the website, check out the newsletter each and every week. You'll put yourself in a much better position of having a good winning season this year. Log on at TheLogicalApproach.com and check out Andy's great football newsletter. Andy, with that, it's time for the our rundown, if you will, 
on what's going on in the world of the sports books for the major contest between the Westgate Superbook and the Circa contest. And if you would, an update, I know our listeners would love to hear what's going on. Yeah, I, I, and a little bit of a change from past seasons. I'm going to concentrate more on the top plays on the consensus rather than reviewing the entire board. There's so much information out there. Uh, Twitter and the in- in- Internet are uh, following closely the contest. So for those listeners who want more details, perhaps, than we have the time to go over this season, uh, they have those uh, avenues of uh, ac- accessing the information. So, for example... In the Super Contest at the Westgate, uh, the two contests, the Classic Contest and the Super Contest Gold, same contest uh, format, five picks a week against the static lines. Same lines are used uh, for both contests. The difference is uh, there are about 2,000 entrants in the uh, $1,000 entry fee Super Contest Classic as opposed to 87 entrants in the winner-take-all a Super Contest Gold, which carries a $5,000 entry fee. In the Super Contest Classic, the consensus had gone 2-3 and three in Week 1, and they followed that up with an 0-5 this past week as the top five selections in the Super Contest Classic were the Pittsburgh Steelers, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, Kansas City, the Rams, and Arizona, all of which uh, lost to the uh, uh, point spread. So they 0-5 makes it for the uh, Super Contest Classic, 2-8 and thus far on the young season. The Super Contest Gold has fared slightly better, though still a losing record. They were 2-2-1, and those contestants, in Week 1 with their consensus. They had uh, a 1-4 result this past weekend. Winners, uh, the lone winner, rather, was with the Carolina Panthers, which was the third most popular choice in the, in the uh, much fewer entry-laden uh, contest of Super Contest Gold. The losers were the top selection, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, then number four was the uh, L.A. Chargers, and Kansas City rounded up the top five. So three, six, and one thus far on the young season for the Super Contest Gold. Now, I mentioned 2,000 entries in the Super Contest Classic. In the third year of the Circa Million, uh, they had 4,000 entries uh, this year, barely making the minimum needed to meet the guaranteed prize pool of $4 million. They got 4,067 entries, so a little bit more than $4 million at stake in the Circa Million 3, 3 being the third year of the contest. Last week, in week one, the consensus in the Circa Million went 3-2, and two, and this week uh, they, uh, uh, they went 2-3. Uh, and three. Uh, The top selection, the Carolina Panthers, was a winner. Uh, the other winner on the card was the number four selection, the New England Patriots over the Jets. The losers were the second most popular selection, the Pittsburgh Steelers. The third most popular selection, the uh, Baltimore, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, excuse me, Kansas City Chiefs, and the fifth most popular selection of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, those were the three losers. So for the season, the uh, Circa, Con- Circa Sports Million uh, consensus, five and five. Now, in the Survivor Contest, which started with a little bit over 4,000 entries, uh, 4,080 to be precise, uh, a prize pool of $6 million, so that's basically a $2 million overlay as 4,000 people who put up $1,000 each are competing for a prize fund of $6 million. So uh, the winner will have a very nice, uh, have won a very nice overlay, bettering than uh, what the statistics suggested might normally happen if they had met the overlay. The top five selections in the Survivor Contest this past week, four of the five won with Cleveland, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and New England winning outright. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, the lone loser amongst the top five. So of the top five selections, there were 2,985 uh, selections uh, going uh, uh, coming out of uh, uh, week, uh, week two, going into week three. 2,967 uh, were involved in, uh, in the top five that went four and one. The teams that were eliminated, 396 entries eliminated. Pittsburgh with 252. Seattle with 126, and then a handful of entrants losing with the Chargers, the Chiefs, uh, the Houston Texans, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the New Orleans Saints. So 2,985 contestants advanced to uh, week number three. That's about uh, roughly 75% of the original field still alive after two weeks. A review of what's going on in the major contest in Las Vegas from our good buddy Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. We'd like to know what's going on with those contests 
as our listeners do each and every week. Andy, what about some line moves that have occurred from uh, some numbers that were sent out earlier by Jay Cornegate at the Westgate as opposed to what we're seeing here today? Okay, Mark. Well, what I'm going to do, uh, and I know in the playbook uh, uh, annual, you used the lines that were put out over the summer as far as the look-ahead lines for all 18 weeks, and I suggest everyone take a look, uh, pick up the uh, playbook uh, uh, preview magazine and take a look at those lines as those were the assessments before any games uh, were played. Uh, what I'm going to look at now, uh, so some, some weeks I'm going to take a look at the week ahead lines. Other times, like this week, I'm going to take a look at the lines as they came back up uh, on Sunday or Monday or even Tuesday morning after the uh, games of uh, the past weekend. So, for example, um, the uh, Carolina-Houston game uh, opened up with uh, uh, Houston, uh, the underdog, needing a new quarterback or starting a new quarterback, that that kept the game off uh, for a short while. It was confirmed late on Sunday that uh, Tyrod Taylor was indeed going to uh, uh, to miss the next contest. So that line opened seven and a half, and it uh, remains seven and a half, although it has gone up to eight in a uh, few places. Uh, other lines uh, line moves weren't all that significant. Uh, Jacksonville, uh, the uh, seven-point home underdog of, against uh, uh, against Arizona, that one pretty much stayed the same. A couple that are worth interesting, the Baltimore Ravens opened seven and a half. Uh, they are now up to uh, eight and a half in some places. Now, uh, one place which waited a little bit longer actually opened up Baltimore a nine and a half, but that was before the game against Kansas City. So it's been a little bit of a reduction uh, from the Circa, which opened at nine and a half on Sunday, as opposed to the Westgate, which opened seven and a half on a Sunday uh, before adjusting it on Monday. That line is now pretty much eight and a half in uh, most uh, locations. Uh, there was an adjustment in the uh, Buffalo line, which opened at nine and a half. Of course, Washington played Thursday. Buffalo uh, with their impressive win against Miami. They opened nine and a half on Sunday. And here uh, in we- midweek, that game is down a couple of points uh, to seven and a half. And what's interesting about that line move, the uh, sportsbooks like to protect against uh, teasers going across key numbers. Well, if that line had stayed at nine and a half and you teased a si- you used a six-point teaser, you'd be laying three and a half. Uh, now, if you're teasing down six points with Buffalo, you're only laying one and a half. So that's a, a key move. Anytime you go over three, and certainly when you go under two, uh, those are significant moves. We'll see if money comes in on Buffalo or at what point uh, the sportsbooks decide to move that line back up for what is now being referred to throughout the industry, uh, teaser protection, getting above that key number of, uh, uh, of, of three. Another game that I uh, wanted to mention, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and Cincinnati. That's interesting because we didn't know about Ben Roethlisberger, the Pittsburgh quarterback's injury, really until Monday and into Tuesday. That line on Sunday opened with Pittsburgh a four to a four and a half point favorite, and right now we are seeing that line down as low as three, and in some cases three with minus juice. So uh, the thought there is right now, the reports were that Ben Roethlisberger would be limited in, they didn't even say practice, they called it preparation for the game or planning for the game, uh, which sort of suggests he may be able to go, but nonetheless, that line, which looked attractive for Cincinnati, even with uh, Ben Roethlisberger in there, now not quite as attractive for Cincinnati, especially with Roethlisberger's status uh, unknown. Uh, the Denver Broncos will host the New York Jets. This will be the first home game for Denver this year after the Broncos uh, won a couple of road games to start the season, uh, winning at Jacksonville last week and winning at the Giants the week before. This game opened 11, and this game now is pretty much a solid 10 to 10 and a half. Uh, around the uh, country. What's interesting about this game is they're going up against uh, the rookie quarterback, uh, Zach Wilson of the New York Jets, who was intercepted four times last week. You have to wonder what his confidence level is going to be this week. And I will venture a guess, not because it's just the uh, biggest line on the board, but because of the situation as well. Denver will be the most uh, popular play in the Circus Survivor Contest, the straight-up contest this week, because there may not be that many, as good as Denver appears to be, may not be many opportunities you want to rely on Denver, but this might be one of them, especially with the the questionable uh, confidence level of uh, Zach Wilson. I'm going to get to another one in a moment when we talk about the selection I'm going to use uh, this week. Uh, you talked about the uh, the Seattle-Minnesota game. There's not been much of a reaction in that game as Seattle opened a two-and-a-half-point favorite. 
on Sunday, went down to one and a half, and that's pretty much where it sat uh, uh, since that uh, that opening. Uh, Green Bay at San Francisco is another interesting contest. That game opened four, immediately went down to three and a half on Sunday afternoon, and pretty much is remaining at three and a half at some places and at three at uh, uh, at others. And then the Monday night game uh, between Dallas and Philadelphia. Uh, Dallas getting a nice win on the uh, West Coast against the uh, Chargers. And Philadelphia in a competitive game against San Francisco at home, a 17-11 to loss. That game opened with the Cowboys a four-point favorite, and it immediately uh, did not show uh, any movement at all. And in fact, right now, I'm seeing only one instance, or maybe the two instances of three and a half. Otherwise, it's still a solid four for next Monday night's encounter. That's Andy Isco with a review of the line moves that have occurred uh, from Las Vegas that we've seen these changes on here immediately. We love getting those line change moves from Andy Isco. Does a great job for us in Las Vegas. And Andy, before we let you go, I know our listeners want to know what you like this week, especially with your play on the Colts last week. A nice ticket that you cashed last week with your complimentary pick on the Indianapolis Colts. What are you looking at for this week? Well, last week I took the Colts, went against the uh, Rams. This week I'm going to be on the Rams and going against Tampa Bay. I like what I've seen out of the Rams this year, that impressive Sunday night win against, against excuse me, the Chicago Bears, and then last week holding on and uh, arguably outplaying, uh, except at cer- certain moments in the game, uh, the Indianapolis Colts. In fact, I thought Indianapolis lost the game uh, when they made some questionable decisions on that first drive of the game when they went for it for fourth down and uh, were unable to convert, and uh, that sort of took the momentum away for them. And then they made a little bit run during the game, but I like what I've seen out of the Rams in their first two games. Tampa Bay a little bit shaky. We saw them struggle and needing that last second field goal to beat Dallas in the opening Thursday night game of the season. And last week, that was a 28-25 game against Atlanta, a Falcon team that looked absolutely horrible the week before against Philadelphia at home. And Atlanta goes uh, on the road to uh, uh, Tampa Bay and actually was competitive throughout a good part of that game until uh, some miscues in the late stages of the game. Talk about a misleading final, 49-25, the final in that game. Uh, But I mentioned about a line move in this game. And on Sunday, the Westgate opened the Rams two-and-a-half-point home favorites against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Even the Circa opened the Rams a one-point favorite against Tampa Bay, and Pinnacle opened the Rams a one-point home favorite over Tampa uh, over Tampa Bay, favoring the Rams. And yet, as we look at the board right now, I'm showing that Tampa Bay has become the favorite of anywhere from one to one and a half, depending upon the book. And I, I have great uh, confidence in the lines makers. I liked this situation. I liked the play even before we saw this line move. But now that we've seen this line move, I feel even a little bit more comfortable in looking at the uh, Los Angeles Rams in this game. Uh, this will be the best defense that Tampa Bay will have faced so far this season, certainly better than that of Dallas and Atlanta, and may end up being the best defense they will see all season. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, Los Angeles Rams, uh, they have, uh, again, had success moving the football in their first uh, uh, two games. Uh, one of the intangible keys here, Tampa Bay next week, Tom Brady, Gronk, they return to New England to face the uh, Battle of the Beast, Brady versus Belichick, and that I don't necessarily put a great stock in look-aheads, but it might just be a little bit distracting uh, during some of the week's interviews that Brady and Gronk are going to have to go through, having to address what about next week's game. They're probably not thinking about it until reporters will bring it up to them, but in any event, it's not a positive. It may not be a negative, but it's certainly not a positive for Tampa Bay uh, this week. But even without that intangible... I think the Rams are a good football team, good enough to be a contender this year. I think their Super Bowl odds down are now uh, around the lowest six or seven to one in many places, which doesn't make it all that quite attractive right now, given the division that they play in the NFC West, where the only loss amongst the eight games played by that division uh, was the uh, Seattle come-from-ahead loss in overtime to Tennessee last week, and Seattle uh, still a very good football team. So I think this is a good spot for the Los Angeles Rams in a game that conceivably could determine the top seed and the only team that gets a bye and will have home field advantage in the uh, NFC playoffs. Although I wouldn't rule Tampa Bay out with a loss simply because the Rams still have two games against the Cardinals, the Seahawks, 
and the 49ers. So they may face a more difficult route, but should it come down to tiebreakers, whether it be for wild card or a divisional champ, uh, divisional hosting a game, uh, the winner of this game would have the edge. Andy Isco all over the L.A. Rams in their matchup against Tom Brady and the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Bucks for his complimentary play on Sunday's football card. Andy, once again, a great job on the show, as always. And we're going to wish you the very best of luck this week. We hope the ball bounces your way. And we'll look forward to visiting with you once again next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Thanks again, Mark, and all the best of success to you, Victor, and all the listeners. And a happy birthday greeting once again. Well, thank you so much, Andy. That was my good friend Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas with the Vegas Vibe. And don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to share our complimentary plays, our rants, and my awesome angle of the week as we wrap up the show when we're back with more in just a minute here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. If you haven't seen Andy Isco's The Logical Approach Football Newsletter, then you owe it to yourself to download this week's newsletter in time for the football games this week. Check out the new issue every week at TheLogicalApproach.com. See what winning football information is all about at TheLogicalApproach.com. We're going against the spread with Mark Lawrence after this. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need, guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in Games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. To put a final spin on this week's show, let's do what Mark does best, his awesome, awesome angle of the week. Okay, guys, let's get down to it, our awesome angle of the week. Once again, in college football this week, we call this a right-back bounce-back. And what we're going to do is to play in any 333 or better college football a road team that's off a shutout loss of 30 more more points in their last game if they're taking on a 666 or less opponent that's coming off a loss. So we've got a 333 or better team was shut out last week by 34 or more points, taking on a 666 or fewer opponent coming off a loss. We do that because these teams are 30 and 9 against the spread since 1980. That's a 77% winning angle. Our play this week will be on New Mexico, the Lobos, when they take on UTEP, Texas, El Paso on Saturday for our awesome angle of the week. And with that, I'm going to hand it over to Victor King from King Creel Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap this week, his complimentary play, and we'll do the rant as soon as we wrap it all up with our free picks here on Mark Lawrence against the spread. Absolutely, Mark. And for our uh, free play, we're going to be taking a look at the Thursday nighter. We've got a non-conference battle with the Carolina Panthers taking on the Houston Texans. At a line of 43.5 or higher, I'm going to lean under in this particular game. But what I am going to definitely be betting on is for Houston to score under their team total of 17.5 points. Yes, another team total. And again, it's going to be Houston under 17.5 points. Now, we're not talking Tyrod Taylor at quarterback here. A Tyrod Taylor who's number one in the NFL in QBR who's averaging over 11 yards per pass attempt on the season and having just an outstanding year. No, 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 no. We're talking about the first ever start for rookie quarterback Davis Mills from Stanford, a guy who, after taking over for Tyrod Taylor last week against Cleveland, looked really, really bad, going 8 for 18 for only 100 yards. He threw for only 5.7 yards per passing attempt, That's half of Tyrod Taylor's numbers. So Mills will be getting the start uh, at home on Thursday night against Carolina, and we're going to be playing under 17.5 for Houston's team total. One more thing that we have to point out in the game is this. Carolina's been one of the surprising, surprise teams this season. They're 2-0, and... Yeah, they're looking pretty good on offense, but where they're really, really impressive is on defense. And this improvement on the Carolina defense over a one-year period has 
quite frankly, been astounding. You know, Matt Rule, if you remember, he turned around that Temple program and turned them into one of the best defensive college football teams in the country. He went into a high-scoring conference in the Big 12 and turned Baylor into one of the best defenses in the country. And now in his second year at Carolina, uh, it's like they flipped a switch or something. They've allowed only 190 yards per game, only 10.5 points per game. They held the Saints to three. They held the Falcons to under 10 points, I believe, in week one as well. So you've got a rookie quarterback making his first start ever with some really bad numbers going against the best defense in the NFL. Yeah, I'm going to be betting the Houston Texans under their team total of 17.5 points. That's going to be our free play of the week. If you're looking for a third one, Tuco also likes Denver to score over 26.5 points as far as their team total goes. Uh, as far as what we got going this weekend, we've got that uh, baseball season still going on, Mark. We're still at 70% winning percentage in baseball over-unders. We already have a Thursday Major League Baseball over-under play. It's up at the PlaybookSports.com website, as is our big one in the NFL, already up there and ready to go. Our over of the month in the NFL, it's going to be in one of these six games that has a high over-under line of 50 or more. It's already up at the website. You can get that at playbooksports.com. And, Mark, what do you got going this weekend? Well, what I've got going this weekend, Victor, is my five-star college football game of the month. It's our featured five-star game of the month. We've done really, really well with this, going back to 1990, 77-34-2 on this big play. It's all part of a $79 five-star college football weekend of winners as Victor mentioned here, our weekend of winners have done really rather quite well to start the football season. You can get on board by logging on at playbooksports.com or give our office a call toll-free at 1-800-321-7777 to sign up for fast, friendly customer service. Before I get to my complimentary play on the show this week, I want to remind our listeners out there that our good friends at mybookie.ag are offering a double-your-first-deposit offer. That's right. You make a first deposit at mybookie.ag, and they'll double that deposit. All you need to do is log on at mybookie.ag to take advantage of your double first deposit offer. That's mybookie.ag for the big double first deposit special offer. And now, this week's rant from Mark and Victor. My rant goes toward the NFL officials, the zebras, the men in black. I'm throwing out the big red flag because of these taunting penalties i absolutely hate them the only reason that this is an issue we got to work our way back a little bit is because of a high profile taunting penalty way back in the freaking super bowl in the closing minutes when tampa bay safety antonio winfield jr mocked tyreek hill of the chiefs by flashing a peace sign in his direction after successfully defending a fourth down pass because of that high profile incident the nfl felt that in the offseason they had to readdress these taunting penalties, and quite frankly, they've gone overboard. Through 17 weeks last year, Mark, there was never a weekend when 200 or more penalties were assessed. The high was 198 back in week two of last year. This season, officials assessed 214 penalties in week one, 221 penalties in week two. This trend needs to be reversed. Last Sunday alone, referees handed out eight taunting penalties many of which were basic celebrations that previously would never have drawn a second look. I'm sick of the taunting penalties. In an emotional sport, we can't take away the celebration. So you guys are going to have to revisit this and keep the flags in your pocket. Victor does not like the deal with the National Football League and the taunting penalties, and I agree with them. It takes the uh, expression, if you will, the, the right for the players to express themselves in the field, and I concur 100%. My quick rant on the National Football League side and scene of things, and I might have hit on this earlier on earlier shows, is my disgust at watching these games. I remember back in the days when DraftKings came aboard and was uh, in the fantasy football world, and they were offering fantasy big million-dollar prizes for people you can – it was like betting, but you had to do it with fantasy sports. Now they own their own sports book. Now the National Football League is in bed with them. The National Football League is in bed with all these American sports books right now. And it's ridiculous to watch these games, go to commercial breaks, and watch commercials from Caesar Sportsbook, BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, 
all sponsored and endorsed by the National Football League. They're going down the wrong path here, guys. It's the greed of the National Football League that's going to end up being their undoing, and it's going to start here with them wanting every penny they can possibly get from our, from their fans, the people that are wagering on these games, and I think it's absolutely ridiculous. That's my rant on the show this week, Victor's rant as well, and let me wrap it up with my complimentary play, if I may. I'm going to go to the Miami Dolphins in the National Football League on Sunday and take the points with them in their football game when they visit Las Vegas on Sunday. Vegas returns home after this 2-0 start, the big upset over the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. Miami comes in red-faced, embarrassed after a 30 to nothing home loss last week in which they lost to a tag of Viola. Their quarterback, Jacoby Brissett, will make his first start with the Dolphins here, and that's the scene we look for in the National Football League. Backup quarterbacks making their first start, taking the place of an injured star starting quarterback. The team rallies around those teams, those quarterbacks, those positions, and I see the Miami Dolphins doing just that on Sunday. I'll grab up the points with the Dolphins over the Raiders for my complimentary play on the football card this week. And that puts the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence against the spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports. Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas from TheLogicalApproach.com. And until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminded always to remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.